Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you would mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We are a little bit more than halfway through this wonderful psalm, Psalm 119, where every verse speaks about God's Word, tells us more about God's Word. But it's not just every verse saying God's Word is good, God's Word is good, but it's telling a story of a young man who is trying to live for the Lord when it seems no one else wants to. He seems to be the only one who wants to live right. Everyone else is taking the way out because they don't have to obey the Bible. They choose not to obey the Bible. And now people are trying to afflict him. He's having problems with his work, with his home, with his comrades. And he's in isolation. How does he get through all of this? By sticking to close to God's Word. As we take our copy of the Word of God and turn to Psalm 119, we now find our way into verse number 97. Psalm 119 and verse 97, the Bible says this, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hath made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word." I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and notice with me in verse number 97, right at the very beginning, Oh, how I love thy law. Oh, how I love thy law. And as we go through here, let's see as this psalmist takes some time here and proclaims how much he loves God's law. And let's understand why and the benefits of it for him to love his law. The first thing that we see is the loving of God's word. The loving of God's word. There is much to love about God's word. There are many things that we could take time to study about the benefits of God's law and reasons to love it. But what is probably the number one reason? What is the greatest reason for loving God's word? Probably because of its purpose. What is the purpose of the Bible? The purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. 
It's through God's word we learn more about God and who he is. It's through God's word we learn about his character. We learn about his attributes. We learn about the hope that we have by placing our trust in him. We learn about the salvation. We learn about God's likes, his dislikes. We learn so much about him. In fact, hold your finger here and turn with me to the major prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 9. Jeremiah chapter number 9. Notice if you don't mind, Jeremiah chapter number 9. And notice with me in verse number 23. Jeremiah chapter 9. Notice with me in verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this. So God has put an definition. If you're going to glory in anything, this is what I want you to glory in. Glory in this, that he understand and knoweth me, saith the Lord. Notice this. He says, I want you to understand and know me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight saith the Lord what is it that God delights he wants us to understand and know him that's the main purpose of the Bible by the way is to reveal God to man to show us more about himself so how do we learn more about God how do we learn about God God delighteth in us knowing him we, we've given you the answer, but let's see what else it has to say. Turn with me to the gospel record of Luke. The gospel record of Luke in chapter number 24. In the gospel record of Luke chapter 24, we have the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the aftermath. So Jesus Christ arises again the third day and they find the empty tomb. And many of the disciples are trying to process this information that the one that they followed is, is now risen again. And they're trying to understand it and many of them don't believe it. In fact, that's a common thing is that that first day that the disciples don't believe it. And over and over, Jesus has to prove himself to the disciples. We see the disciples of Aramaeus earlier in Luke chapter number uh, <coughs> 24. In fact, what happens in the road to Aramaeus? Well, you have the two disciples, if you could allow me just to tell the story. They're going and they're moping and they're all sad and kicking the dust. And, eh. and Jesus comes up behind and has disguised himself. And he goes, uh, why is your countenance sad? What, what's, and they go, are you a stranger in this land? Have you not heard what's going on? And Jesus will tell me. Well, there was a guy that we were following and we thought he was the Messiah. And he was the one we hoped for. And... And they arrested him and they killed him up on the cross. And, and now some of the ladies are reported this morning that he's risen again. And, uh, you know, they say that he's alive right now, but we just eh, don't know. And so Jesus rebukes him and says, listen, in fact, pick it up and with me in verse number 25. And he said unto them, so Jesus says to those two walking in the road to Aramaeus, O fools and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ 
to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he says, let me tell you about this Messiah. And take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis. Turn with me to Exodus. Turn with me to Leviticus. And he just walked through and showed them all throughout the scriptures the things about Christ. Oh, what a great time that would be. When I get to heaven, I want to check out that DVD or stream that or whatever they do. Uh, to be able to watch the, that event of, and Jesus' message of explaining these things. So those two disciples, they get excited. And so they went all the way to Aramaeus. It's now dark. And they run back to Jerusalem. In the middle of the night. And they come back and find the upper room. And the other disciples and said. We saw Jesus. It was great. He was there with us. And now the disciples don't believe. Here's now the 11 that's left. The two disciples who are not part of the 12. They had come back in. We saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. And they're like. Uh, are you sure? Are you know, Is that what's going on? And all of a sudden Jesus appears to them. And rebukes them. And says why are you troubled? Why do such thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see me, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, and you'll see that I have. And then he asked for food and he eats. Why did Jesus ask for food? Because it left evidence that he was there. And then notice what Jesus does in verse 44. And he said to them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And he opened and opened he their understanding that they may understand the scriptures. What were they supposed to have their understanding open to? who God is. That throughout the scriptures they learn, look, here's Jesus. Now they had understanding. They got wisdom because the Bible tells us more about God. That's the whole purpose of God's word is to reveal God to man. <laughs> As you turn back to Psalm 119. So the psalmist here is saying, oh how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. May I refer back to as you're turning to Psalm 119 and Luke 24, when the, Jesus left the two disciples of the road of Aramaeus, after he just finished talking to them, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, they said, did not our hearts burn when he told us about the scriptures? When we start learning more about God from the Bible, our heart begins to burn. If you're reading it correctly and you're seeking after God, your heart will burn and saying, oh, this is good. Oh, I get to see more about Jesus. This is exciting. No wonder the psalmist can say, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Because it tells me more about Christ. And when I open it up, it's exciting. Why is some people's Bible reading more exciting than others? It's if they're looking for Jesus. And if you look for him, he will be found. When you let it become a dry book, when you're no longer seeking for Christ and you're just, your eyes touch the word of the page, it can become a dry, burdensome reading. But we understand that the purpose of the Bible is to tell us more about God. And when you read it, you find more about Jesus, your heart starts burning. We could say with the psalmist, oh, how I love thy law. Oh, this is good. It's my meditation all the day. 
we find first of all loving of God's word. The second thing we see is the study of God's word. The study of God's word. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 98. Thou through thy commandments hath made me wiser than mine enemies. For they are ever with me. The psalmist here is saying, God, because of your commandments, because you've given me understanding, because I love your word, your word has given me more wisdom than my enemies. Now, understand there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Knowledge is just information. He says, I'm not looking just for information. I'm looking for wisdom. I'm looking for how to apply it. I'm looking at it. We know with the simplicity of God's word, it is easy to apply and even a child can grasp its truths. It's not a complicated thing. It is so simple. Someone once said, profundity, profundity is often wrapped up in simplicity. You say, that's a big complicated statement. That just says, you know, the simple things can become very profound truths. Yep. And that's what the Bible is. It's so simple that even a child can understand it. And a child can go, Wow. And yet it is so deep that as an adult, you could read the Bible and go, wow, because of its truth that's found in there. This is wonderful that God can make us to have wisdom as we apply it. We could read it year after year and still find unexplored territory to venture into. It could sharpen our mind more than the world's philosophies. The enemies of God and their indoctrination cannot stand up against someone's heart who is filled with God's word. God made foolish the wisdom of the world, the Bible says in the book of Corinthians. The Bible can make us wiser than the world. The world's trying to make things complicated and trying to solve all the world's problems. We understand the Bible has simple truths just to apply it. Makes it easy. Notice with me verse 99. Notice where understanding comes from. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. Notice the psalmist did not say that I have more knowledge than all my teachers. He says, I have more understanding. The Bible talks about uh, that there are people who are ever learning and never coming to the truth, First, uh, First Timothy. And there are people who are ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. They have knowledge. There's a difference. Today we live in a world with lots of information. May I say that we're an information overload? We got information coming in all the time but very little truth and very little wisdom. Lots of information though. We know that through the Bible, we can have more understanding than those who may be more knowledgeable than us because God grants us understanding. We can have more wisdom. The aim of the Bible is not to make us more clever. The aim of the Bible is to make us right. And that should be our standing as if we're right. Notice as it goes on, verse number 11. He says, I understand more than the ancients because I kept thy precepts. You know, verse number 11 has a lot packed into it. We know, first of all, that old is not necessarily better. There are some things that people may believe of old time that may not be biblical, may not be right. We're determined to stay with what the Bible says rather than what traditions say. Rather than what has been passed on. What does the Bible have to say about this? We know that 
with this that the Bible <coughs> tells us that light cannot be divorced from life. We understand that just because someone has lived a long time doesn't mean that they have the light of God's word. It's the light that we need and that we can learn quite a bit. The Bible does not command us because it is old. The Bible commands us because it's right. And that's something that we find here. We could study God's word and it grants us wisdom. And there may be people who may be smarter than us, more intelligent, more educated than us, but they're lacking wisdom and they're lacking truth and they're lacking life. And because of this, they're lacking quite a bit that God's word could grant us. Even those who may not be the smartest may be a couple uh, fries short of a Happy Meal or a couple pickles short of a Whopper. We understand that God's word can give us the wisdom we need to survive. Which brings us to one last thing, the keeping of God's word, the keeping of God's word. Notice verse 101. I have refrained at my feet from every evil way. Why? That I may keep thy word. Our feet carry us many places to go where the eye, the hand, the mind, and will are exposed to temptation. We must keep ourselves separated from the world if we're going to keep the, God's word. For example, there are many things that tempt us, but how do we get there? Our feet carry us. Amen. And he says, you know what? I'm going to tell my feet, let's not go there so that way I don't have to be exposed to that. If somebody is tempted with alcohol, don't walk in front of the liquor store. There are certain places that you choose not to go because you don't want to be tempted. If somebody's tempted with cupcakes, don't walk in front of the bakery. Our feet are the ones that plague us to those places where we're going to be tempted. So he says, I refrain my feet. I'm just not going to go there. I choose not to go there so that way I can avoid those temptations because I want to keep God's word. I want to be right with him. I'm going to choose not to go there. I'm going to tell my feet, let's not go there. Don't take me there. That's a decision that was made. Notice with me 102. I have not departed from thy judgments. Why? For thou hast taught me. Now, to follow after God, we have to be steadfast. The psalmist reports that he's not departed from God's judgments. Why? Because it was God that taught me. God taught me these things. And because he taught me these things, I'm going to obey him, knowing the source of information. You know, we, uh, we've learned quite a bit in the last several years that we often check our sources of different information nowadays. And if it's not a source we trust, we often reject it. It doesn't matter what information may be held in it, we automatically reject it. It doesn't matter what it says. So often that's true. Well, we understand God's given us his word. And if he said that, we could trust the source. So therefore, I could obey him even things that I may not want to obey. There are plenty of things I don't want to obey in the Bible, but I choose to because God's the one who gave it to me. It's because of my relationship, my respect, my love for him. Because he taught me these things, I choose to obey it. It's the source. Then 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now when he's speaking about this, we know that it is a pictorial language. Alright, so we understand that he's not actually ripping up pages and starting to eat them, right? 
We understand that. But it is a pictorial language of something literal. Let's just imagine that you're going to eat something. When you eat something, is it real? Good. Is it something you experience? So if I eat something, do you experience it? No. You could kind of try to live vicariously, but you don't get to taste the great steak that was marinated beautifully and that you cut into it. Oh, it's perfect. And you chew it and it melts in your mouth and your stomach starts jumping for joy. It's so happy. And I mean, you, um, <laughs> I could describe it, but it's not the same as you eating it yourself. Amen. The Bible's the same way. You have to experience it yourself. The Bible is an experiential book. You have to experience it for yourself. And just as eating, you're experiencing it. You're putting in it. And in fact, the picture of it is the idea of digestion. It's of meditation. That you experience it. You take it. You chew on it for a little bit. You savor it. You process it. You make it a part of you. That's what we should be doing with the Bible. We should be eating it. Not literally, you're not, I shouldn't see anybody tearing pages off and put it in their mouth unless you're like three. Or two. But there should be an idea that you are experiencing it yourself. You're digesting it yourself. You're enjoying the meal. You know, there are some meals that I was in the military, they trained me to eat fast. I have to tell myself, stop eating so fast. But there are some meals that you on purpose, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to take my time for this. You know, there's, that should be the same thing with your Bible reading. It should not be, I need to hurry up and get this over with. There should be such a love that you want to savor it. You want it to digest. You want it to become a part of you. You're not in a hurry to get it over with. You're eating it. In fact, we know that inside of the Bible, God had given three specific men the responsibility, the, the instructions to eat God's word. And pictorially, they did. Those were be Jeremiah, <laughs> Ezekiel, and John the Apostle in the book of Revelation. All three of those men were given orders. God given that. And then this isn't the only place where it talks about that, how sweet are thy words, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. We see that in Psalm 19. We see that with each of those people who read it, that it was like honey to my mouth. It was good for me. It was a good thing. God allowed it to be a part of me. It is good to eat in God's word, to make it a part of you, to experience it for yourself. The psalmist is saying, I love God's word. One of the reasons why I love God's word is because it's good for me. It's not only does it make me wiser, not only does it tell me about Jesus, but you know, it's something about it that as I digest it, it is so sweet. It is wonderful. There's nobody who's, who really spends time with God's word and God shows up that says, you know what? I just wasted my time reading my Bible. I just never should have done that. If God shows up in your study and if you're digesting it and you get something good out of it, you're not saying this is wasted time. You're saying this is good time. This is time well spent. It's kind of like having a good memory of a good meal that you had. It's something that becomes of you and stays with you. Then Psalm 119.104 gives a summary of all of this. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. So because of God's word, I get understanding. Through the study, through the process, through the meditation, I get understanding. And that's kind of what he's been saying this whole time. He says, therefore, because of this understanding, I hate every false way. He's saying, I hate any direction 
that is outside of where God is leading me. I don't want to go anywhere where God doesn't lead me. I don't want to end up someplace where God's not at. I don't want to show up at the wrong place. I hate, I don't want to go where God hasn't led me. I don't want to go somewhere outside of where God's word is at and present. There's something about loving God's word. And when you love God's word and you make it a part of yourself, you have more of a desire to stay on its path and to stay within the confines and to be pleasing to the Lord by obeying his word. We're thankful for the God that we have. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful thank God. Thank you for listening and as- to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.